This is D Medina, and you are listening to the sixth episode of the Can You Sub Again? You Can Make a Difference as a Substitute Teacher podcast. This was a very productive week for me, entering the third stage of the Can You Sub Again mission and platform. Using the tenets of my book, Superstar Subbing, we created professional development workshop curriculum for what we hope is another tremendously impactful resource for subs. The workshop is tailored for new and seasoned substitute teachers and is filled with plenty of quality opportunities for participants to connect with the material and connect with each other. The hope is for substitute teachers to walk away from this workshop inspired, invigorated, and imagining the new positive impact they will be making in the lives of our kids. And now I hope you enjoy this week's podcast, Was the Secretary Mean to You? Jason. Jason Morris was certain the secretary's quote-unquote attitude began immediately after he said, Hi, I'm Jason Morris. I'm here subbing for... He had only gotten that much out before she cut him off with, For Mrs. Neighbors. Hang on one second. He had been interrupted like this plenty of times in his life and knew most people did it out of some sort of reflexive eagerness. One ex-girlfriend seemed to do it because she wanted him to know she had learned him well. A best friend did it because he loved stealing punchlines. And his father did it, well, because dad was always right. However, Jason interpreted this morning's interruption differently from those other earnest and harmless cut-ins. He felt he could place it instantly because he had experienced this kind from other school secretaries he had encountered, And this woman was sliding effortlessly into that mold. He thought she had been smiling and making eye contact with him when he first walked through the door, but her hang on one second seemed to him a dismissal of who he was as a worker. He took it with a just a substitute teacher vibe. Jason watched silently as the secretary, Gina, reached in a file cabinet to pull out a navy blue folder took one piece of yellow paper from a stack to her right and one aqua green sheet from her left. She opened the folder in front of her, placed both sheets inside, closed and held it outstretched to Jason without looking up. Her classroom is G24. There's a yellow map in the folder and a green bell schedule. She has second lunch. Her prep period is three, but make sure you call me at 2815 to see if I need you to cover somewhere else. Jason listened but was surprised that Gina never looked up during her practice directives. He was equally surprised that she had still not looked up to see him mildly shaking his head because she had already put her hand on her computer mouse with her eyes now fixed on her computer screen. He was deciding between an obviously sarcastic, well, good morning to you too, or you have a great day as well, before settling on thank you as he turned to walk away. Gina. Gina was having the kind of morning where she wished she had stayed at home from work, kept all her kids home from school, put out some snacks, kicked on the fireplace, and put Goonies on the big TV. It was a drizzly gray day, and she was tired after what felt like an eternal work week. It was only Tuesday. She enjoyed being around her family, but there was something that happened the day before that made her desire to stay home so much stronger. The unsettling fixture in her mind came from Monday's campus lockdown. 
The high school she was a secretary at had become very streamlined in their execution of lockdowns, a necessity that made her a little sad. Even if the threatening incident was happening miles away, which was the case Monday when a man had taken his neighbor hostage with a knife, all schools in the area had to go into lockdown mode. Each time, it made Gina consider deeply the state of our society, the fear students have to face at a place where they're supposed to be safe, and her own children who were just a few neighboring cities away. Only an hour into the school week, and the principal had given the word to make the announcement. Attention, all teachers and students, we are on lockdown. We are on lockdown. Teachers and students, we are on lockdown. Get into a classroom immediately. The script was only repeated once more, and by then the scramble was on. Students who were anywhere outside of a classroom rushed to the nearest one they could, where teachers were at the doors urgently waving students inside. After another minute, classroom doors were locked, lights were turned off, and students sat silently against walls, all electronics muted. The office staff had their own protocols. Gina locked the front doors and another person locked the back. Someone made sure the lights were off and everyone who could safely reach the conference room went there, all others to the library. Only the principal and his secretary remained in their adjoined offices. The principal monitored every communication he could and his secretary sent email updates to teachers who were required to check their screens every two to three minutes. After Gina locked the front doors, she usually sat along the wall behind her desk next to three tall filing cabinets. It was out of any outside sight lines, and she always wondered what she would do if a threat ever got through the locked doors. Would she remain hidden or grab the hammer from an easily accessible tool drawer? That day, Gina whispered the same prayer she always did. Please, Lord, keep us safe. She had just ended that short prayer when the unthinkable happened. Five hard raps on the front doors. Gina could hardly consider remaining concealed or grabbing the hammer before she heard three more knocks, followed by a voice that said, It's me, Gerald. I've subbed here before. I saw you duck down. Hello, I saw you. Let me in. Gina underwent a speedy wave of relief for two reasons. First, although she didn't know Gerald well, she knew his voice. Second, answering the door or even acknowledging his presence was completely out of her hands. Under no circumstances was she to unlock the door. She could get in a lot of trouble for doing so. Even teachers had to face this controversial policy with students. At more than one staff meeting, in one form or another, the question had been posed, so if we were in lockdown and we hear a student knocking on our door, we can't let them in? Debate invariably followed, especially after a drill. And although there was an occasional thought-provoking variation to the scenario, the last word always went something like, there's no way to know if they are knocking because they got left outside, they are under duress, or... They might be the shooter pretending to want safety. We can't take that risk. Gerald's knocks had gone from intense knuckle raps to flat-palmed angry slaps on the glass. Gina wasn't going to raise herself even a little to acknowledge he was there, and he knew it. There was little doubt he could tell that the school was on lockdown, but assumed it was just a drill. If Gina had any doubts about his feelings, they were erased when he yelled through the glass, I'm subbing here today. 
So you would just let me die out here? It was less than 10 minutes later, but the moments following the all-clear end of the lockdown were worse than the lockdown itself. Gina couldn't believe what she was hearing as she and Gerald sat at a small meeting table in the principal's office. It was surreal enough and disheartening enough that she could only stare at a family picture on the wall, which was to say, stare far off into the distance. She saw me. She clearly saw me, he was saying. I've been here enough times. She knows who I am. Mr. Day, the principal started. Once the doors are locked, we don't let anyone in until the all clear has been announced. So you're saying you wouldn't let one of your regular teachers in, he asked. Well, they would be able to let themselves in because they have a key to that particular door. But if they came in any other, Gerald interjected, shaking his head and saying, so because I'm only subbing, I can't get in. Doesn't matter that I have a bachelor's degree in economics and I'm a semester away from my master's in business. I'm just subbing. So if I'm only subbing, I stay outside and die while the secretary with no college degrees lives. Gina blinked but didn't move. She sat still even when the principal stood up and informed Gerald he would no longer be allowed to substitute at that school anymore and invited him to leave. Gina could only stay in her seat staring at the picture on the wall. At some point in the tirade, it occurred to her that perhaps Gerald didn't think it was a drill. Maybe he was genuinely scared. So if I'm subbing, if I'm subbing, those words echoed away in her mind the rest of that Monday. I should be watching Goonies with my kids, Gina thought on Tuesday, as she looked up to see a well-dressed man walk through the front doors. At first, she thought she placed him as the father of a female senior she had come to know. But then she heard him say something that shook her to her core. She didn't expect that kind of emotional flood, and she knew she had to hide it from him. The man simply had said, Hi, I'm Jason Morris. I'm here subbing for... Before I go any further, I want to share that I'm not Jason Morris in the story, nor is this story a true account. Instead, it is a blend of the numerous times I have been in a campus lockdown with the handful of times I have heard of an educator berating someone in the office staff for one reason or another. Both of these things happen. And I use this story because it illustrates how important context and perspective are in education and in life. Jason entered the office and allowed himself to be at least mildly triggered by the abruptness of Gina. Of course, we can understand his connection since he was cut off after introducing himself as a substitute. Now, this example is probably extreme, but when we look at Gina's side of things, we can see good reason for her maybe unknowingly cutting him off once she felt her internal reaction to the word subbing, the same word Gerald used the day before. Having knowledge of the rare and terrible situation Gina was put in only a day earlier, would have changed Jason's interpretation of the situation entirely. The obvious point here is that we never know what a person is going through. And although their responses may seem abrupt, unfair, or even rude, in the world of a busy public school office, we usually won't have the opportunity for context. So, how then should we approach any situation that seems to, at the very least, demonstrate a lack of appreciation for the role of a substitute teacher. Here are two ways to prepare yourself when approaching the school office staff. Number one, 
Remember, we are all on the same team. Years ago, as a teacher of high school freshmen, I arrived late to school during my third period prep after a doctor's appointment. Instead of going to my classroom, for some reason I decided to check in with Allison, the person in charge of subs. She had her phone receiver in her hand and her eyes grew so wide as she saw me approaching that I knew something had happened. Your sub, she began. What? I said, my eyes now as wide as hers. Your sub just left after arguing with me for 10 minutes that she wanted to be paid for a full day. First of all, she was late. Second of all, she only covered your first two periods. Allison and I talked for about two more minutes, and I found out the reason she still had the phone receiver in her hand was because she was on hold with the district office. She was calling them to make sure that substitute would not be assigned to our school ever again. I remember at the time being puzzled by the story and feeling that something must have been missing. However, by the time I was unlocking my classroom door, I was remembering some of the other stories I had heard over the years that were similarly bizarre. All this time later, I admit that I only heard one side of the story and I passed no judgment on the situation. Who knows what that substitute was thinking or going through at that time in her life. I had pretty well-behaved freshmen that year, but perhaps something confrontational or zany had happened. She didn't leave a note to tell me how things had gone, but who knows. Whatever happened, that situation ended up bad professionally for her in at least two ways. First, she wasn't going to be allowed back onto our campus. Maybe in her mind that was a relief, but that fact led to the next thing. Human resources would have noted in her file that a school had asked her not to return, and that is never a good look. Remembering we are all on the same team may sound trite or dismissive, especially when our personal and professional pride are wounded, but if we are there on a mission to maximize our love and care for students, then our pride or ego really shouldn't be factors. Number two, place tremendous value on the office staff. Secretarial staff are the lifeblood of any school. You will almost invariably see them first once you have an assignment and last when the day is done. On 98% of your assignments, you will find office staff who are grateful for your service and who will greet you with kindness and professionalism. However, there are the 2% occasions when you may experience someone who will be less than professional. It could be conveyed through words or body language, but there is something that gives off that you're just a sub vibe. If you ever face this situation, you may have a temptation to think something like this. I've got a bachelor's degree or more. I'm here to teach. You're just a secretary and so on and so forth. I say resist, resist, resist. The irony of even thinking the words just a is that none of us want to be thought of as just a. And so thinking that towards others benefits no one. Additionally, negative assumptions do not help any adult professionally and will never benefit the students who the teacher, substitute, and office staff all work for. If you are sensing any kind of negative vibe from office staff, before becoming bothered or irritated, consider the following. 
an administrator may have asked their support staff to be stern with substitutes so as to deter a too friendly, lackadaisical, or nonchalant approach in the classroom. The school may have had one or more negative experiences with subs in the past. Several bad subs may have given even the best subs a negative stereotype. The secretary may be going through something at home or at work that has nothing to do with you. Unless you are a certified morning person that the majority of us envy, there is a mindfulness, humility, and professionalism that just does not seem to fully activate inside of us until at least an hour after the sun comes up. It's too early and often we are too tired. But that doesn't mean you can't place value on others. Your first line of contact at a school site is the office and administration building. Here, you enter as a complete stranger, a known acquaintance, a valued team member, or a slice of dread to be put up with. The best two ways to approach any office staff is to remember you are all on the same team and that those employees have value. Not every school is going to operate the same way. Demographics are different, administrators are different, students are different, but you can be a consistent, positive difference maker. You can decide that. Decide ahead of time, no matter how unpleasant an experience you may have one morning, you are going to be a picture of positivity. If you develop this kind of positivity as a practice, you will also develop a solid reputation as an educator who is good for kids. Tell me your opinion. What is your overall approach when entering the office? Do you generally have positive interactions with office staff? If you have a negative experience, do you let it affect your day? What are some healthy ways you have dealt with any such negativity? If you'd like to contribute to the conversation on this subject, or if there was another topic you would like to hear covered on this podcast in the future, be sure to stop by the website canyousubagain.com. You can always find a transcript of the most recent podcast and add your voice to the discussion by visiting the post on the topic or on the site's homepage. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Can You Sub Again, would you consider taking the time to leave a star rating or review on the Apple site? Thanks so much for listening to the Can You Sub Again podcast and be sure to check back again next week.